next week now you've already picked up Stuart and I are going off on holiday so don't all Woo! think oh actually next week we'll just all have a week off because actually our weeks when we're not at the Scout Hut are as important to our family as these weeks and it kind of saddens Stuart now when people don't value those weeks because they are super important. So next week, um, Paul's going to be leading you in a prayer walk. You're going to be meeting down at City Park, um, which is that fountainy bit in the middle of Bradford Centre, which is a key bit that in the natural fountains were opened up. In the spiritual, we are praying for that to happen. So it is a key part of our city that we're going, a key part of this area that fountains are being opened up. We want to go there. We're going to be praying. Paul's going to be leading that prayer walk around the city. And I just encourage you to come and to join in that and not think, oh, Stuart is here. I know what I'll do. I'll have a week off. Because it's, it's really, really important to pray and to be praying around. And there is something about walking the streets and being in the physical vicinity. And I know some of you don't live in Bradford and you might think, well, I don't have a heart for Bradford. But this is where God's planted us as a church. And um, if you want the blessing in your city, there's something about honouring what God's doing here so that he will do it there. OK, so um, that's my... I felt that was a soapbox in and of itself, actually, but not that I'm trying to be on a soapbox um, at all today. You know, during August, one of the things that I do is I slow my pace down. I don't stop working, but I slow it down. I don't do any social sessions often for at least a couple of weeks of August. Um, it was something that I started, actually, when the children were young um, because I wanted to focus on us having family time but I found obviously slowing our pace my pace down during August has been a really good pattern for me and I, I try not to do quite as much pastoral work and I try to not make have as many appointments in my diary um, and I just try and have some space it's quite a challenge to do but it's something that I, I try and do every every August and have done as I say since our children were small and I try and I usually have a pile of books that I've built up. I mean, I read all the time. I'm, a, I'm probably what you would call a voracious reader. I, I read, you know, at least probably a couple of books every week. Like I, I love reading. I read as I go to sleep every night. I read novels. I read Christian books. I read a bit of psychology. I, you know, I dip into a whole host of books. I love, love reading. I know some of you are not readers, but I, I have always loved reading. But in the summer, I usually have a few kind of Christian books that I particularly want to focus on and, and read and, um, and reflect on. And then, of course, this year I had the added joy that in amongst all of that, I broke a bone in my foot. So not only was my pace generally slower, some of the things that I would normally do in that, like walking, um, I couldn't do. Um, so I had to be physically slower as well, um, which, you know, has been its own challenge for sure. But it's no surprise that in that extra space, God spoke. And he's always speaking, isn't it? I mean, that's what the Bible tells us, that he's always speaking. It's not that he's silent. It's our ability to tune in that sometimes is the issue. So that's no surprise at all that he would speak in that. And that's really some of what I'm going to be saying over the next well I mean it's probably take months because of our, pat our pattern and having guests and all of those other things well some of what I'm going to be sharing over the coming these coming months is out out of that and what I feel God is reminding us and for some of you you're going to think well this is almost like the basics again but actually I want us to remind us that you know we we call ourselves Christians Actually, a biblical better word would be disciples, but it's not a very good 
21st century word, is it? Because actually there's, you know, unless you're, I don't know, a Buddhist monk or something who has disciples, nobody really talks about disciples in our setting. That isn't, a, so we don't relate to it very well. When we think of disciples, I think most of us think of that kind of Last Supper picture with like the disciples all sat there with Jesus and, you know, it all looks a bit formal on that funny table that they're all sat. We don't think of us. It's not a word that we would, we would kind of ascribe to ourselves or use in any shape, manner or form. So a better word would be apprentice, wouldn't it? Because an apprentice, actually, that is something that we have in our society. So, you know, there's lo- nowadays lots of 16, 17 and 18, 19 year olds who do apprenticeships, who, you know, they want to learn a skill. So they become, um, you know, if they want to become an electrician, they have to work alongside an electrician and they have to do courses and they have to learn, like, you know, the different wiring and how they do the different wiring. And you can tell I know nothing about electrics because I can't really push into that metaphor at all because I know nothing about electrics but that's a a way we learn isn't it and nobody expects an apprentice of a week to be able to do what an apprentice of four years can do it's a process and they try and their work gets checked obviously you know to make sure that it's safe and people aren't living in houses that are going to blow up on them Um, but being an apprentice is really what we are of Jesus and actually that's a lifelong process And when you actually listen to Jesus's words about what being an apprentice is, you know, when he he talks about the Sermon on the Mount, that really gritty Sermon on the Mount that talks about all the things that, you know, we struggle with, anger, hate, lust, you know, (laughs) blessing people, what it means to be poor in spirit. You know, when he unpacks that, how do you live and follow me? He bookends it by those who hear my words and put it into practice. So what does that say to me? It's not hear my words and get it all right. It's hear my words and put it into practice. Well, if we hear Jesus' words and have to put it into practice, that means we have to practice it. You know, when my son, who is a wonderful worship leader and very musical... Our son, yes, but he's going to be my son for the sake of this illustration. When um, he was learning the piano... I mean, it was painful at first. I mean, we all probably needed earmuffs for those initial um, lessons because it was, it was painful. It was, you know, the one note became two notes that didn't kind of sounded in discord rather than in unity. And it took years for him to get to the point where he could sit down and play Chopin or Bach or Beethoven and sound beautiful or worship music. It was, it, it was a process of years and years of practice. And in that practice, we didn't come to him and go, you sound awful. That's really terrible. You know, like, what on earth are you doing? You just need to be perfect. You know, why can't you play Chopin already, you five-year-old child? I mean, we didn't do that. We understood it took practice. And there are things about following Jesus that take practice, that will take the practice of our whole life. But so often what we do is we kind of go, because we have this, our education system kind of drills it almost into us and doesn't help us with this, that we have, to, that we have a sense of we have, either have to get it right or wrong. And if we get it wrong, we, we, we stop trying. We think, oh, I can't do that. And we stop, stop trying it. But our whole Christian life is meant to be practising. And the more we practise, the, the more we will grow in it. So it's not a matter of right and wrong this process that we are having in. So probably when I'm talking through this series, I'm going to talk about us as as apprentices that practice certain things. 
So I'm not going to tell you what this first one is. I'm going to give you some Bible passages. I'm doing a steward. I'm really excited that I'm doing a steward this morning. So <laughs> I know I was like so pleased that, that I could think of three passages that you could look at. So Matthew chapter four. Uh, Stuart's going to put them up on up on the. No, not at this moment. I don't. So Matthew chapter four. Matthew 14 and Mark chapter 1 are your three um, passages. What I want you to do now is I want you to go into groups. So groups of, it'll stay up there, it, if groups of, I don't know, well, organise yourself, you're adults. You don't need me to tell you what to do. But can you get into groups, move your chairs around, read these passages to one another and then just think, what is it that they have in common? What is it they have in common? I'll give you the answers, not Jesus, although they do have that in common. <laughs> a busy mum, uh, a wife, a pastor. Uh, you know, none of those roles does, did Jesus have. He wasn't a mother. Um, I guess you could say he was a pastor. Um, so uh, my life, your life, looks very different. We live in this crazy world, don't we? Which, you know, if I ask most of you, or if you ask me how my week has been, the most common answer we give each other is, oh, it's been busy. Busy. I'm busy. Are you busy? Busy? I'm busy. Are you busy? I'm busy. I've been very busy. You know, we're all busy, aren't we? We're really kind of busy. That is what we uh, um, say to each other. And I, I'm as guilty of it as, 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 as you all. So I'm, not, I'm really not pointing the finger. I'm trying to help us see how funny it, it, it is. You know, we all have commitments, don't we? We have family, we have friends, we have work, we have the everyday tasks in our life. You know, we have to go shopping. You know, then if it's somebody's birthday, you, you know, gosh, you have to fit in getting them a gift. And, you know, there's, there's just so much stuff that fills our life. You know, and, and how did we get from where Jesus was at to, to here because you know even a century ago when you read about people like John Wesley or Charles Spurgeon or um, Susanna Wesley John's John's wife and you know she had like 17 kids it talks about them getting up yeah she was she was busy but it talks about them getting up at 4 a.m to pray but a century ago people went to bed at sunset because there wasn't electricity and by the time it was sunrise at 4am or whatever time they'd already had nine or more hours of sleep right. I know <laughs> it is <laughs> did, you, did you know nowadays we're kind of lucky if we get seven that is, that is more the average nowadays is, is, is seven would be considered a good night's sleep in our modern world and yet a century ago nine hours and they, then they could get up at 4am so it puts it into a slightly different perspective because if I'd been asleep for nine hours I probably could get up at 4am and pray um, you know I certainly have gone through phases in my Christian life where I've tried to get up at 4am but when you don't go to bed till like half eleven at night it's kind of you're not getting enough, enough sleep um, and over the last century, obviously, we've had a major, major technical industrial revolution, haven't we? So we could talk about what the impact the industrial revolution had on all of our lives. But actually, the technical revolution has had a, a, a bigger impact on our life and our, our working patterns. Um, 
You know, one that probably in the 50s, before the advent of the automatic washing machine, it was said that technology would mean that our working life would go down to three or four hours. Do you know the exact opposite of that has happened? The more technology we had, the longer hours we work in the West. The opposite has happened. Technology has not made our life easier. It's made our life crazier, busier, more hurried, more harried. It has changed our, the way of living, and we've all ascribed to it without even thinking about it, without even stopping to kind of pause and think, is this actually how we want to live life? You know, just think about your phone. Did you know that the average, and you can go on your app and find out how much time you spend on your phone, but the average is meant to be two and a half hours a day. But if you're a millennial, double it, at least. So that means, you know, two of my, uh, my eldest son is a millennial. He will be spending at least, I mean, I don't think he actually does, but five hours a day on his phone? Wow. Five hours. No wonder we're busy. We're busy with all sorts of things. Netflix, Amazon, YouTube. Who starts, you know, goes on YouTube? I mean, I don't particularly do this. YouTube is not my thing. But you go on YouTube and you see one video and it recommends another video and then onto another video. And before you know it, I mean, somebody said to me a couple of weeks ago, none of you, I hasten to add, that they'd, you know, wasted like two or three hours just, you know, following the trail of YouTube. We are busy, but is it good for us? I think we would have to be honest and say No. No, it's not. It's not good for us. Corrie Ten Boom, one of my favourite writers, bless her, long gone, but she said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. (laughs) If if he can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. It's true, isn't it? And the issue with busyness is we're often then actually too busy to, to connect, too busy to connect with other people, because we're too busy, too busy to connect with God, and actually too busy to connect with ourselves. You know, you think about the increase in mental health issues and illnesses. Why? Because people do not know themselves, and all their emotions and all their everything gets pushed down, and then it pops up into all sorts of unhelpful ways because we don't know ourselves Most of us don't know how we feel. You know, one of the things when I'm teaching people about things like shifting atmospheres, one of the things I tell them to do is find out how you feel in the morning. And when that simple little thing, a lot of people kind of go, but I I, I don't know how I feel. I, I, I just don't know. Because we're so busy. We don't let ourselves feel. And we're desperate to hear God, aren't we? I mean, in this modern world... It's been really interesting post-pandemic. The rise in the prophetic has gone through the roof. Like, you know, if we stuck prophetic on everything that we did, like if we called our school the CSSM Prophetic School or we wrote prophetic in all the conference names, they would be packed out, I have absolutely no doubt, because the hunger for the prophetic has gone up. But why are we searching so madly for the prophetic? Because we're not listening to God ourselves. So let's go back to those passages. And we talked about the, the theme of Jesus going to these solitary places, Jesus withdrawing. Well, I looked up the word for wilderness. 
And it's this. I'm not going to be able to say it well in Greek. Do you, do you want to tell me what that? It's Eremos. Eremos. Okay. Okay. So the world wilderness in in Matthew uh, for that very first where it, where Jesus goes off into the wilderness and he then faces the temptations. That word there, Eremos, it means an uncultivated, an unpopulated place, a desolate, deserted area, figuratively a barren, solitary place that also provides needed quiet, freedom from disturbance. That's from Strong's Concordance on Greek words. Or it says in scripture, a desert, an eremos, is ironically also where God richly grants his presence and provision for those seeking him. The limitless Lord shows himself in the limiting, difficult scenes of life. And at Eremos was often actually the kind of areas around like little villages and places where the shepherds took their sheep. It was these sort of deserted places that kind of, you know, the, the only people that you might bump into would be a, a shepherd. And that's into those places that Jesus goes, yeah. a solitary and alone place. Yeah. And it's interesting because then what I did is I looked up you can do all this with interlinears online like so you know I'm not crazy intelligent I just am willing to kind of do a bit of searching as I then looked up all the incidences of Eremos in the Bible obviously in the New Testament because this is Greek we were looking at um, and the Old Testament's in Hebrew so I then looked up which you can do you can just press on the word Eremos and it'll tell you all the places and then I physically looked them up in my Bible and I pulled out three of them for you guys to look at this morning. All of those times when it talked about a solid place he went to or he withdrew, all of the words that are used are Eremos in all of those things. Wow. All of them. So Jesus withdrew to a solitary place that sometimes gets translated wilderness, that sometimes gets translated a, a solitary place, sometimes gets translated a quiet place. But whatever word you want to use for this Eremos in our language... What it's saying is, Jesus went somewhere quiet. He went somewhere alone. He went somewhere on his own. And Jesus invites us to that. In Mark 6, verses 31, 30 and 31, it says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, they did not even get a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place, an Eremos, and get some rest. Jesus is inviting us into that quiet place. He's still calling us into a place of silence and solitude. And it's not a very popular concept today, because a lot of the time when you hear people talking about having a prayer life or having time with God, they're talking about, like, worship, do something. Read your Bible, worship, do something. But I'm talking about something slightly different this morning. You know, fill it with YouTube clips of our favourite speakers, prophets, worship music. That's all good stuff. But that's not having an Eremos. That's not having silence and solitude. That's not withdrawing to this quiet place. And I, you know, like me, you're probably saying, yeah, but Jesus lived in a different era. You know, he didn't have YouTube and, and um, the benefit of being able to hear speakers that are worldwide and these, you know, worship bands that are amazing. He didn't have all of that. So he, you know, he couldn't access that. So he had to have silence and solitude because, you know, no Spotify for Jesus. 
But actually, if Jesus did it, and that's out of that was what flowed his ministry, his, you know, and whatever our ministry is, whether that's in the workplace or whether that's with our family or the neighbours with our street, if that's what flowed, his ministry flowed out of that, then it's something he is still calling us in. The Bible isn't less relevant today just because it's 2,000 years old. And we mustn't throw out the practice of Jesus just because we think, well, life's moved on. Because all through history, people have been writing about silence and solitude. From early church fathers to the present day. Richard Foster, who wrote Celebration of Discipline, which is a well-known book, I mean, it probably was written in the 80s, um, so many of you will remember it. But actually, my favourite book that he wrote is called Devotional Classics. If you haven't got a copy of Devotional Classics, buy one. It will help you with this. I discovered it probably when we were first married, and it's been a foundational book in my walk with the Lord. But Richard Foster said, Solitude is more a, a state of mind and heart than it is a place. There is a solitude of heart that can be maintained at all times. Now, I agree with that. I 100% agree with that. But I think the way that you develop the solitude of heart, that silent place in your heart for God to speak into, is actually by developing a place of silence first. So it has to become a place before it can become a practice in your heart. We can't rush from one to another. So I'm not talking about having time for you to pray. Because I think when we pray, what a lot of we do is we talk, Jesus, blah, 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 blah. And then we kind of go, oh, do you want to say anything? Oh, blah, 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 blah. Do you want to say anything? Oh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and that can be a lot of our prayer life. No, this is, solitude and silence is a practice. A practice that's not about prayer. It's about creating space. Creating space where we can hear God. Where we just let him speak. Creating space where we can hear our own emotions and thoughts. Creating space where we can replenish enough, where we can minister and connect to one another. And let's be really honest. Silence and solitude freaks most of us out. Most of us fill our world with noise because silence and solitude is really difficult for us. We can barely get our head round having a quiet time, never mind having silence and solitude. And I'm not talking about going to a place of loneliness and isolation, because I understand one of the reasons that many of us will not go to a place of silence and solitude is because we've had places of loneliness and isolation in our life. And because those were places of woundedness, we are afraid that if we press into silence and solitude, all that will happen is we will feel alone and isolated. That is not what he's inviting us into. And guess where we need to go with that? If, that's, if what you hear when I say silence and solitude is loneliness and isolation, can you guess what my answer is going to be of what you need to do? Get a sozo. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 so. <laughs> well, who uh, would guess? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I, I, I joke, but I honestly do mean that. Or go and get another ministry, sign up to LL Grange, go get Freedom in Christ, go do Wholeness Through Christ, do, do whatever you need to do to deal with that. And I understand that's a real wounding. I know for me that was a place of wounding because I'm a, my love language is quality time. 
one of the ways that my upbringing did not meet my needs was the lack of quality time. And so, you know, for me, I had that little girl wounded place in me that if I was alone, trying to have silence and solitude with God, I felt isolated and abandoned. And it wasn't until I allowed that to be healed up and invited him to heal that up that I was able to move into having silence and solitude. But I still don't find it the easiest of the things that Jesus asks me to practice. So what am I talking about? If I'm talking, not talking about having a quiet time, what am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about this. I'm talking about time on our own. Time, oh, sorry, that's not hit the screen well. Time on our own without our phone or other distractions. Time without noise. Time where we slow down and allow ourselves to breathe. When was the last time you heard your own breathing where it was silent enough for you to hear your heart going doof, doof, doof. The breathing of your lungs in and out. Slowing down enough that we take the time to feel Time to be aware of what's going on inside of us, the things that are good, the things that are not so good. And allowing ourselves to have some time to process that. And giving time for God to break in and speak. It sounds so simple, but the reality, because we're all, none of us have stepped out of a century ago, we're all modern people, for all of us this is a practice that we will need to do. And one of the people that's helped me greatly on this journey, apart from Jesus himself and the Holy Spirit and Father, um, <coughs> is a, a, a 17th century monk called Brother Lawrence. And I read him, you know, as I say, 30 years ago, I, I read his um, work. And, it, and it's called Practicing the Presence of God. You can still buy it today. Um, <clears throat> and he said, I cannot imagine how religious persons can live satisfied without the practice of the presence of God. For my part, I keep myself retired with him. And he doesn't mean like retired as in finished work. He means as in living in that place with him in the depth of center of my soul as much as I can and while I'm so with him I fear nothing but the least turning from him is insupportable I mean that's a bit of a wordy way to say living he learned to live in that place of solitude now he wasn't I know some my imaginations of monks are that some of them you know just spend the whole time kind of praying and doing that he wasn't he worked in the kitchen you know he actually had a busy busy old time washing pots and pans bless him but he learnt to have this practice of silence and solitude so much so that it impacted his whole life in how he learnt to hear the presence of God and we're going to come back in another time and I'm going to unpack more of what that looks like for today, all I really want to do, and I'm going to finish soon, is I just want to kind of 
put a stake in the ground that says, let's start practicing some of these things. And the first one that I want us to, to practice is this idea of silence and solitude. And yes, we live in a world of busyness and hurry, but we need to stop and allow ourselves silence and solitude. It's what our body, our soul and our spirit needs. We actually need to stop, withdraw, press into that presence. Let's remember the invite that Jesus gives me, all of us. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Come with me to the Eremos, that quiet place, and get some rest. So let's just, what I want to do now is I just want us to stop. And I know we're together, and this is something that you need to start doing on your own. Or remind yourself to do on your own. But let's just stop in that quiet place. Let's just have some silence and not be worried about the silence. And I'm just as we do that, I'm just going to lead you through the silence. So just close your eyes. And I first of all just want you to become aware of your own breathing. So just breathe in and breathe out and just become aware of your own body your own heart moving, your own breathing, and sit with that for a moment or two. just as if you've become aware of your bodies now become aware of your soul what's been going on in your soul how do you feel there might be pockets of sadness or fear or happiness or joy or all of those things all at one go just become aware of your feelings how are you doing in your soul? just become aware of your spirit and how you're connected with God whether you feel close to him or far away from him whether you feel a strong sense of his presence or not And just invite him to encounter you, body, soul and spirit, all of you. 
Don't start asking him for something. Just turn your heart and affection to him and invite him in. And it might be that, you know, you're suddenly aware that your mind is really busy or that, you know, there's 101 things going on and you suddenly remembered that you didn't put the dinner in before you left or you must ring, make a phone call this afternoon. Just as those come up to you, just lay them down at Jesus' feet. just in the quietness just ask God God is there something that you do want to say to me not something that you want to say to him but is there something he wants to say to you Father God, I thank you that even though we've only practiced for a few minutes, you've spoken to our hearts. And maybe we've become aware of feelings that we've pushed down or things that fill our mind and our lives that maybe aren't always very helpful. But Lord, we know that you speak. And maybe we haven't heard you at all because we're just practicing and it's the first time we've done it or a long time since we did it and we need to keep practicing before we are in that place where we can hear you in silence and solitude. But Holy Spirit, this week, would you remind us, whatever we're doing, whether we're on holiday, whether we're at work, whether we're with kids, whether we're going through challenging situations, would you remind us to practice silence and solitude so that we can hear your voice more clearly. Because we hear that invite, Jesus, to come into that place of rest. It's what our hearts and our souls crave. Yeah, and Jesus, we want to have a ministry like you do, and you said that we would, that we would do even greater things than you. And we know that one of the reasons we don't see that is because we don't withdraw to that solitude, that 
solitary place. So Jesus, teach us how to do this. Help us to practice it this week. Holy Spirit, be our teacher in it. Prompt us, help us, show us how each one of us with our different personalities, our different way of being, can learn how to do this. Amen. Amen. So, as I said, you know, today is just a... All I'm doing is putting a stake in the ground. I'm going to come back to this because... I've raised things that I don't feel it was right to kind of go into in more detail today, but I will at some other point. Okay. Um, As always, if you have a healing need, if you want prayer for anything, you know, we love to go after that. We love to to pray for healing. So don't, don't leave if you have something that you need prayer for this morning. There's always that invitation. But, you know, and, and this week, you know, when it gets to like, I don't know, Tuesday and you haven't done this, don't condemn yourself. Remember, oh, I'm an apprentice, so I'm going to give it a practice. I'm going to practice for a minute today. Tomorrow I might man- manage, you know, two minutes. <laughs> and remember, I'm not talking about having a quiet time. I'm talking about having silence and solitude, withdrawing with him to that quiet place. And remember, a minute's better than 30 seconds and it's okay to start nobody expects a toddler to walk the first time they take a step one step is is an amazing thing so allow yourself to um, practice and not be condemning if you don't make it and if you don't make it to the end of the week and you haven't done it at all don't worry there's next week okay and if you have any questions just come and ask me but bless you go get a cup of tea or coffee or come and get some prayer Um, if you would like prayer.